All right, it's Wednesday. We're coming in hot today. We have special guest Todd Caputo coming to us live from the Admiral's Lounge in the Charlotte Airport. We're going to talk about Ford cutting prices on the Mach-E and the difference between standalone used cars and digital-only used car sales. It's an interesting topic and uh, one that I think is uh, coming up for a lot of people, and it's great to have Todd here talking about it. Todd, how are you doing today? Hey, good morning. How you doing, Paul? Good to see you. You are running like all over the country all the time now. Um, so it's, it's fun. I it, like it. It's I can good. tell you're smiling. It's good to stay busy. You're much more relaxed than you were when you were like in the stores every day. You got this oh, whole vibe still about was you. Relaxed back then. No, oh, <laughs> yeah, right. having fun. You're still having yeah. fun though. Having fun. Not quite I get as to be relaxed. around car dealers every day. I know yeah. it. When I'm around dealers every day, it puts a smile on my face. Likewise, likewise. Well, um. Speaking of being around dealers, just want to let everybody know we have a few great things happening right now. Um, today at 1 p.m., we have our next Asodu Edge webinar. It's with our friends at Upstart Auto Retail. They're going to give us the results of a 100 dealer survey that they did. So speaking about being around dealers and what they're thinking, we're going to be uh, answering a lot of questions and providing a lot of insights. I'm going to be with my friend Keyshawn Batts. Um, he's going to be walking us through the survey. Very quick webinar very fast, 25 minutes. You're in, you're out. It's a lot of fun. You can go to asodu.com. It's right there. When you, uh, when you land on the page, just scroll up a tiny little bit. You can register for free. Hope you join us today at one o'clock. It's going to be worth it because every dealer wants to know what other dealers are thinking. That's just how it works. Um, also, Asodocon is only 83 days away now. Um, we are updating the speaker page on a regular basis now. It's going to be in May 15th, 14th through 17th, main days 15, 16. We have a lot of great announcements of dealer groups who are actually doing their invent, events in conjunction with Asodocon. So it's going to be full of dealers. It's going to be full of industry partners, uh, very innovative ones. Um, really, we're, we're starting to talk about it like the most innovative ideas in auto are born at a SotoCon. We can often track conversations that happened at a SotoCon through actual like product development and implementation. So still early bird tickets right now. That's going to change uh, probably in just a few days here. And uh, we're going to have a lot of a lot of great panels. Go to the speakers page. You can start to see, uh, I don't know, we probably have 20 or so up there, but we're going to have over 50 amazing speakers. And if you go look at the speakers page right now, you're going to be like, oh, like, this isn't like, you know, some new guy. This is very experienced industry expertise, people on the forefront. So uh, check it out. Todd's going to be there. You were there last year. You're going to be bet there I'm again, be of there. course. Yeah, you bet I'm going to be there. I can't wait. What was your favorite? What was, Best conference of the year. How would you explain the the kind of like overall vibe of the people and the, the conversations at a SodaCon? I mean, it's not a typical trade show by any means. Uh, the kind of people that show up at a SotoCon are very forward-thinking car dealers and also very forward-thinking vendors and other people that are in the industry. And um, you have intimate conversations uh, that you're not going to probably have at NADA. It's not quite as, uh, you don't have the hustle and bustle of NADA. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just made a lot of great contacts, you know, come, you know, at a SotoCon. And uh, I know that the people that have attended that I've met have been really, really grateful that uh, they've been able to attend and, and made some really good partnerships and friendships there. I just, I think it's it's cutting edge, which I am, as you know, and um, I, I can't wait. I think, you know, this is the third one right now. Isn't this is number one, three, number three, third time's yeah, a charm. I, last year was amazing, right? And I think that this year is going to be even better with between 
all the people that you've got speaking. I've already seen a, a list of the, a lot of the attendees. I think it's going to be an amazing conference, and I can't wait. And it's easy to get to, right? You fly into BWI. I think it's 15 minutes away. Not even. It's a piece of cake. Yeah, yeah real easy to get to. It's, it's awesome. We try to do that because no one likes an hour drive in traffic after you land. That's the worst. No. Uh, some of the speakers, no. you, you know some of these names. Steve Greenfield, Mike Stanton, president of NADA, Daniel Gover, David Spizak, Ed Roberts, Erica Tiffany Welds, Mike Cavanaugh from Lithia, Andrew DeFeo, Andy Gwelcher, Ashley Cavazos, Dan Bannister. I could go on. We have uh, four, four Auto Dealer Association presidents who are going to be in attendance. So, um, you know, we just have a lot of representation of dealers in the dealer body there. And so uh, we just want to make sure that you get there too. Uh, we're going to, we're, we're likely going to sell out this year. The venue can't hold everybody. So uh, hope you can get some tickets and be there as well. All right, let's talk about a little bit of news. Um, I want to get to the last story, but it's appropriate, I think, Todd, that we have you as a guest today because now you live in Charlotte. You're Charlotte-based. Um, Charlotte based, and today in 1948 was when NASCAR was founded by Bill France Sr. He was a race-loving mechanic uh, who was tired of going to races where um, – the promoters would run off with the prize money, actually, which is why he actually started oh, NASCAR cool. to standardize the ruling and enforce fair competition and uh, serve as its first president. And obviously, NASCAR has become a major uh, American spectator sport, created a multi-billion dollar industry. And Todd, you kind of live in like the I'm in NASCAR, NASCAR heaven. I'm in, Nor I'm, in, I'm in Mooresville. Like that's NASCAR heaven. You can use all my place, right? Like absolutely it's everywhere. I love it. Yeah. It's, so if you don't if awesome. you don't understand this, people you know, in most normal places in the world, there's like a house with a garage. Well, in, in, in Mooresville, in the area you live, they have these neighborhoods that is basically a garage with a living quarters, right? They have these and you can fit like 20 cars in these garages and they have like apartments attached to them. It's a really special, cool thing. Garage Aminiums. What are they called? Garage Aminiums. Garage Aminiums. Yeah, everybody I in think, down here just loves, loves cars. I mean, you talk about Everybody loves cars. I think they might love cars actually more than people. I know. So that's why we got to get more of these shirts true. walking around so we get heckled a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some news of uh, Ford a little bit. So Ford has uh, significantly reduced the prices of their 2023 Mach-E's slashing costs by 3000 to like $8,000 across different models to enhance the competitiveness against Tesla primarily. So the price reduction is also coming with some very attractive finance offers like 0% for 72 months plus you know, a three to $8,000 cash incentive on leased vehicles. So they're really trying to move these. Now it's, it's really close to the pricing of the Model Y. They start now in the low 40s. Uh, Mach-E, it's worth mentioning, is second to the Model Y in EV sales um, in the segment in the U.S., and they don't currently even qualify for the $7,500 tax credit. Ford CEO Jim Farley emphasized to need uh, the need to get more affordable EVs out there. And Ford spokesperson Marty Gunsberg said, uh, we're adjusting pricing to um, keep up with like what the strategy and the demand is. So is this any surprise to you, Todd? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we no. both. I mean, do we really need to talk about EVs this morning, right? Like, I think um, I think it's like. Just, people, cannot, people cannot afford them. There's just not enough infrastructure, period. Um, someday, right? Like EVs, they're great. I love them, but you got to be able to charge them. People can't have range anxiety. You can't charge them in 20 minutes or a half hour or longer. They got to be able to charge in five minutes or less, just like you pump your gas and you got to be able to do it everywhere. So it's going to be a while. I think the cars are great, but yeah, you're an EV driver. You, you own an EV. 
I do, and I like it a lot, but I don't trust it when I take it on long distances, which is part of the problem. So, um, you know, they just the government unfortunately tried to force these things down the consumers' throats and dealers' throats, and I think everybody's backpedaling, which is smart, right? Sometimes you got to try things and sure. be innovative and learn, but it's been very expensive to do it, and unfortunately. You know, the government is giving incentives and the incentives are our money, right? Like when things are subsidized by the government, that's our tax money doing it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'd like to see some more uh, saneness when it comes to this, which hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll start to see now because the market at the end of the day, the market's obviously showing what they want. People do not want these cars unless they can afford them. Yeah. I mean, Steve Greenfield was the, the co-host or the guest host yesterday. And, you know, we were talking about all this conversation. You can't go anywhere without talking about EVs, even in the major news publications, not in the automotive section, we're hearing about, you know, BYD, Chinese EVs coming to the US market and all these things. And, you know, Steve was saying, you know, what happens when we get a sub 20,000 EV? Does that change the game a lot? And my, my, my follow-up question to that is like, like that is going to make the charging availability situation way worse if all of a sudden we get more people buying EVs without the infrastructure to support it, which in turn makes the EV owning experience worse, which may even stunt the growth of the, it's like this very cyclical thing. And I think you nailed it, right? Like when we're trying to incentivize demand, um, it creates false demand. It's not even demand. It just creates mandates, right? Like you have to make this many cars, um, try to get people to buy them and you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. If China has sub $20,000 EVs coming into the United States, it's going to be a real problem for the industry here, period. doesn't matter if you're selling EVs or ICE vehicles. It's going to be a huge, huge problem. There you go. I mean, across the board. Manufacturers are here. It might, it might put some of them out of business, to be quite honest with you. Right. Right. That's a good point. I rented, no um, about it. I made a post about this. I think it was last week. And I posted my review of a Mach-E because I, I was going to rent a vehicle from uh, while, I, while I was in Orlando. The cheapest vehicle to rent was actually an EV segment. So I paid $45 to rent a model, a Tesla Model 3 for a day. They ended up putting me in a Ford Mach-E, which I was excited to drive. And I wrote a, a pretty a pretty lengthy review of my experience. I loved the driving experience. It's amazing. Far superior to an ICE vehicle, the driving experience, in my opinion of an EV that size, but, um, some other challenges. I talk about them in the review. You can go find it if you yeah, they're want. They're great on cars. LinkedIn. No question Absolutely. about it. They're good cars. Fun it's to drive. Gotta, you gotta be able to charge them. I didn't have to charge mine at all. all that matters. I, I made sure I didn't and, have to charge mine. And then and you have to, you can't be where it's cold, like where you are in upstate New York, because if you do, it crushes the battery life fast. I saw, I saw an article about, uh, it was from a, some, it was a Rivian article or an article about some Rivian drivers. And they were in Chicago and they were at the car rental and there was some like back up at the rental counter and they were waiting on cars. And so it was just a really long line. And they asked if they said, we have five EVs. Do we have anybody that wants to rent an EV? You can come right to the front of the line and get it. Two people went up to get the EV and the Rivian drivers were like, I would never rent an EV in this climate. I don't trust it. And they were experienced EV owners, right? And they still were like, no, not going to do it. And it's... Someday, just not today. Maybe Someday, 2030, not, not 2024. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get on to uh, the main the main topic and story we wanted to talk about today. You actually sent me this article. It's an auto remarketing article um, written by Joe Overby, who, strangely enough, is going to be a guest at a SotoCon. Joe Overby from... Um, Great guy. Yeah, Super he, sharp guy. Amazing. So excited he get to, gets to participate this year. Um, but basically, despite the turbulent market, some standalone used car stores like Sonic Automotive's Echo Park have actually been able to navigate through this market volatility with strategic, 
uh, strategic adjustments while companies like Vroom, remember, Shift, CarLots um, are no longer even around, which were digital only used car outlets. Now, Echo Park is obviously a physical location-based um, used car outlet. And there have been a lot of shifting back and forth. And, you know, you have a lot of firsthand experience with Sonic, understanding how the Echo Park system works. What is your, you know, why did you send me this article and what's your perception of like what's going on and why they're able to adjust and still make this work? Well, I think, you know, not just talking about Echo Park, but just the standalone used car dealer um, himself, right? Or herself. They are really, really struggling. So uh, tied to no, no, like manufacturing, no new car sales, just, only just used cars. They're struggling. I mean, look at when you go travel, right? Or even if you're local, look at how many little car lots are closed down or even some of the bigger ones. I was in Reno a few weeks ago to client. There were some big used car dealers on, on, on the auto strip there. They're mm -hmm. closed, right? It's very, very difficult for an independent used car dealer to compete and be profitable uh, in this environment. Um, whether or not they're omni-channel or completely online like Vroom or, or Shift, it's extremely difficult because of the prices of used cars are just too expensive. Um, the supply issues, the pricing of the cars, uh, the financing. I mean, if you look at the price of a brand new car with 0% financing for 60 or 72 months or even 2.9 versus a comparable, comparable car that's almost brand new, uh, maybe one or two years old with low miles, the payment is the same or lower on a brand new car. And people are going to buy, they're going to buy the new one, Without right? Or they're going to lease it. So, you know, the independent used car dealer is going to get squeezed. Um, also, banks have tightened up quite a bit on loaning money on used cars because I think they're nervous about the value of some of these used cars. So mm -hmm. used car, after, you know, COVID hit, price of used cars went up 40%. And, um, you know, we were at an average, you know, when I own my stores, the average cost of my used cars, you know, pre-COVID was... 19 grand, mm. right? And those, those are late model, low mileage cars. Yeah. It shot up during COVID. The average cost was like 32 or 33 grand, went into the upper 20s. Now it's down to about 24 or 25 grand. And the prices have gone down, but interest rates also went up. So even if the, as the price went down, the rates going up didn't make the payment any lower for people. So um, and it's extremely, extremely competitive for these used car dealers to go out and buy cars at the auction or buy cars from consumers. Mm -hmm. And um, they're not trading for the kind of cars that they can retail when they have these used car lots. Typically, people that trade in uh, a car for a, for a used car typically trade in cars that get wholesaled. So they're getting squeezed yeah. straight up, you know. Um, you know, and, and as far as Echo Park and Sonic goes, I mean – extremely well managed and i think the decisions that they made although they were probably painful it was a wise move right um you, you, if, if they couldn't supply enough cars to all their stores um because of supply issues and then you know did the right things and i don't think they shut them down permanently i think the wording that they use in a lot of the press releases is they were just going to um they were going to close them temporarily and they may open some of them back up and i don't want to speak for them but i mm -hmm. think that's what they said in their press release um, when, when they spoke about the subject, um, you know, Sonic's extremely well run, very well managed. I know the people uh, that manage the Echo Park platform. They're sharp guys, right? Mm -hmm. Sharp girls. And they know what they're doing. Um, I think that they're probably going to be one of the ones that weather the storm. Mm -hmm. Penske did the same thing. Penske closed a couple of their car shop locations. And I think they paused on opening up any more of them in the U.S. because yeah. they're being smart about it, right? They did. Uh, just used cars are not. They're, they're, the price is not there yet. It's just like we talked about with EVs. The price of used cars needs to come down, just like EVs have, in order for people to be able to afford them again. If not, they're going to buy brand new cars. New car supply is coming up. 
incentives are there now. And if a consumer has a choice between the two, I think they're probably going to pick a new car um, because most people are payment driven. Got it. You know, there's also something to be said, I think, for the diversification of uh, a new car franchise and the where the used car operation is a a department in the overall business. You have a new car department, a used car department, a service department, a parts department, right? And so you have all of these lanes. It seems like you're insulated a little bit more from-, from You are a lot. And and so you had an interesting setup where you had uh, a Chevy store, right? And that was your only new car franchise, but then you had multiple used car outlets. How did you leverage the new car store um, to feed well, to feed the lots because it was a smaller Chevy store, but it was like pretty several yeah. sizable used car operations. So, so two things. Number one, right, you got to have fixed operations in order to cover a good percentage of your overhead, right? You got to have absorption in your dealerships, and that's something that a lot of used car dealers lack. That's ah. why a lot of them haven't made it. Um, you know, the, the 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 fixed operations can cover the majority. If in some cases, some really great dealers, it covers all of it. Mm -hmm. So whatever you sell is pure profit. Mm -hmm. But in my situation, my used car departments or use my used car operations, those standalone dealerships I had, I I customer pay service in those stores. Mm -hmm. Right, I had them in two of the three used car locations that I had, and that allowed me to have that part of that overhead covered. So I was still profitable in doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> A lot of used car dealers just don't have that. They're right. only fixing their own cars, lot. and they're not set up. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. not set up for customer pay or for warranty work on the extended warranties that they sell. So it makes it more difficult, um, and that's why I think a lot of them have, you know haven't made it. Does Echo Park have fixed stops or customer pay fixed stops? No, they don't. No, they don't. Got most it. of them, most don't. Yeah, I mean, most, I will say, having been like pretty closely tied tied in with it, you had developed a, a really nice service experience. Um, you know, where you would drive into a nice area, you were greeted by like professional service advisors. There were walk arounds, your facilities were beautiful. And like, yeah, it was like going to a new car store. It was, it, it felt just like going to a new car store. Um, except it felt actually a little more, I don't know, a little more creative and customer friendly because you had the flexibility to design it however you wanted. And you did a great job. True. Yeah, true. Yeah, the fixed up side is good. Well, Todd, uh, safe travels wherever you're Thank heading you. today. Thanks for being with us today. Always appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh, hey, everybody else, make sure you sign up for that webinar today, one o'clock. We're going to let you know what 100 dealers think about digital retail. And, you know, go grab an Asotocon ticket while you're at it because you don't want to miss it.